you believe that this morning? His kingdom is forever. His kingdom is forever. Based upon His Word, which is forever. Based upon the Word, Jesus Christ, who is forever. Life is fleeting. Circumstances are ever-changing. But we have these truths that are forever. So trust those today. Trust those today. We come back to that Second Timothy, our, our series, Enduring for the Sake of the Gospel, with that theme. Uh, that these truths need to be heard. These truths need to be proclaimed. These truths need to be shared. Last week, we took, though, a necessary, I thought, uh, detour to tackle the problem of evil and the problem of suffering in uh, this world in a standalone message. We took a little break from our Second Timothy uh, 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 series to do that. So if you missed that message, I encourage you uh, to find the link to that message on our website or just this last week it went out in an all-church email uh, with also some references and some books on evil and suffering if you want to continue to grow or study in that um, area. Three resources that were in that email. But sermon also available at canbybethany.org. Well, this weekend, yet another superhero movie is going to be released. That's big news, right? Yeah, they come every weekend it seems like almost, doesn't it? This weekend, another superhero movie will be released. You see it there behind me. It's DC Comics Justice League. And I'm sure it's going to be the fall blockbuster. Anybody seen it yet? Curious? Nobody? I'm really shocked. Nobody in the entire room has seen this movie. All right, maybe it's going to be a flop. Uh, maybe that was the litmus test there for what's going to, the barometer. No, it, it's going to bring in like billions. But um, a blockbuster this fall that brings together superheroes such as Batman and, and, and Superman and, and Wonder Woman to fight evil. A lot of you probably grew up maybe watching some of those, the, the older shows, the cartoons that in, the, in the 80s they had the Justice League, um, to fight evil, to save the planet, which is really the theme of every superhero movie, isn't it? To save the world. You see the tagline there, you can't save the world alone, and hence the Justice League is going to come together this weekend for lots of popcorn fun to save the world. Since the year 2000, since the year 2000, the amount of superhero movies that have been released has absolutely exploded. They're everywhere. Marvel Comics has 15 alone that they're either releasing, producing, or filming in 2017, 2018. 15 alone that they're either uh, filming, releasing, or producing. Why have these movies become so popular in the last uh, uh, 17 years or so. Some have linked it to 9-11 and our need for superheroes at that time and needing something to, to deliver us and take us out of that. Why are they so popular? Well, number one, they're fun. They're a lot of fun. They're exciting. Who doesn't like a good hero to come in, a good adventure, and a superhero uh, human that wins? We love that. We love those kind of stories. But there must be something about these movies that's a little deeper too. It connects to something deeper. A deeper hunger, you might even say. A deeper level of the heart. And the studios have realized it, and, and their concern is they've realized that there's big money in it, right? So they're going to keep pumping these things out as fast as they can. But the actors have begun to realize it too. Ben Affleck this week, who's in this new movie, was interviewed by USA Today about the recent movie. And the genre of superhero movies commenting on the genre he said this 
part of the appeal of this genre is wish fulfillment. Wouldn't it be nice if there was somebody who could save us from all this? Save us from ourselves. Save us from the consequences of our actions. Ben Affleck said that. I mean, it's incredibly revealing. It's incredibly insightful. Oh yes, it would be nice, wouldn't it? If we had a true story about somebody who could save us. And not only that, look, look, just look at how specific he gets. Save us from the consequences of our actions. It is a real wish of humanity. And we love the stories of saviors. And we pile up stories about saviors. We throw down billions of dollars to root for those saviors. But at the end of the day, they're still fictional, aren't they? They're still fictional. And the superhero saviors we love to go watch don't actually demand things from us, like acknowledging our sin or repentance and faith. They just demand 12 bucks, right? 12 bucks. Which is the cost of a movie now. We went just this week for the first time in months. It's like, wow, it's expensive. They don't demand a lot from us. Again, superhero movies, they aren't bad. I don't want you to hear, don't go see superhero movies. I'm not saying that. They're not bad. They're a great escape in many ways from reality. But I can't help think they're somehow, they can serve as kind of an empty substitute, really. And we end up settling for less, and they point to our desire to hear what we want to hear rather than what we need to hear. The truth. And I couldn't help make the connection to our text today. We'll get to it in verses 3 and 4, but here they are, a little preview. For the time's coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And they'll turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. You might say superhero movies even. They'll wander off. Someone's going to teach us. Voices are going to direct us, and they're going to guide you and your children. Someone's going to tell you what story matters in life. Don't settle for less. Don't settle for less. Don't let your children settle for less. But to the cry of your heart for a Savior that will save you, and has saved you if you trust Him. That's the true story we have here in this book. Not a fictional hero, as fun as those are, but a true one. A real one. A true one. And today, since Paul has just reaffirmed in 2 Timothy last week that the Scriptures are God-breathed, they are the true story, he now charges Timothy and all pastors and Christians to keep on preaching that story. Preaching the Word. The truth of the one true ultimate superhero Savior that does challenge us, that does equip us, and changes us. So today, we want to be as clear as possible. That's our word today. Clarity. Being clear. As clear as possible. How important this is. So grab your outline. Have your Bible open to 2 Timothy 4, and let's look for some clarity this morning through three points that we're going to look at today. First one's this. 
There's a clear charge in this passage. Very clear. And it is to be faithful and preach the Word. There's a really clear charge here. To be faithful and preach the Word. Remember, Paul's speaking to a young Timothy, a young pastor who's timid, who has a tendency to be frightened. So a prominent figure in the Bible who can be fearful and and timid like us. Paul was too. But he's speaking to this young pastor in Ephesus who's been called to lead, called to, to feed, called to shape the church. He's been given a role. Called to seek the spiritual health now of this church. He's been called, he says, preach the word, Timothy. Look at verse 1. I charge you, Timothy, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Paul is pretty serious here that preaching the word of God matters. We live in a day and age where that is, and it's always happened in the church, but under attack. Can we really just trust that by opening this book and explaining it, things will happen? Lives will change. There's always a temptation in the church to think, you know, that was good for a season, that was good for a time, but we got to do something else. Let's move on from this idea of preaching the Word. Paul's pretty serious here, and one of the reasons he's pretty serious is these are probably the last words Paul ever wrote in his entire life down that we have. The last words in the Bible written by Paul are right here. The last chapter of 2 Timothy. He was martyred within maybe days of this, or at least within uh, weeks of this, where history, I think, fairly records and probably accurately that he was beheaded with maybe in a few days of this. So in some ways, what we have here, his last legacy to the church. Your dying, be- your dying words, right? Your deathbed words. People, you listen in, don't you? What is he going to say? What's she going to say? That's what we have here. We have his dying words. A solemn charge. An emphatic, you must do this, Timothy. I charge you, Timothy. Now we've all, you, each every one of us, haven't we? We've all been charged to do things before, haven't we? Clean your room. I charge you, clean your room. Or pick that up at the store. I charge you, pick that up at the store. But it was never this kind of charge. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, clean your room. Right? Or I charge you in the presence of God and Jesus, pick up that loaf of bread at the store. It kind of, that's a bit overkill for bread, isn't it? But you do get how you kind of sense the seriousness of that when you place it against something that's not quite as serious. Preach the word, Timothy. It's because we saw, here's the reason why, we saw a couple weeks ago in 2 Timothy that this book is God's word, which means it's alive and it's active. It's full of breath. It's full of life as the Holy Spirit takes it. So we're called to to speak it, to preach it. If it isn't God's Word, what are we doing every week with my time and yours? 
what are we doing as we gather and we spend time opening it up and, and, and applying it? But it is. It is. And it's why we open it every week. It's why I uh, exposit it is the word. Expository preaching. It means open the text, explain it, and let, let the verses themselves form the main points of the sermon. Not my ideas to the text, but let the text speak. Because I can't give you life. My own words on myself can't give you life, but this can. That's why he says. That's why he says preach it. And if you want to grow as a Christian, if you want to grow today uh, in your faith, you need to be in it. I have to be in it. We, we have to be in it. And it's why I prepare for a message. It's why I take some time and prepare to preach a message. Or if you've ever taught Sunday school or a Bible study at church or, or even a small group, you, you, you just have that feeling, don't you? You kind of want to go in with some thoughts. With what are we going to talk about? But as I prepare, as I prepare, I ultimately prepare and preach because I'm accountable to God. I'm accountable to God for what I do with this even text today as we stand and sit here. The charge to the preacher is to be faithful before God. Did you hear that? That's why it's such a serious charge and why it sounded so humorous with clean your room, right? The motive is to be God-centered. The preacher is to be faithful before God and, and Christ. And the primary audience is actually God first and foremost. And the primary message is ultimately about God first and foremost. God and His appearing. Did you hear that? I charge you in the presence of God and His appearing in Christ and His judgment and His kingdom, His kingdom work. Preach. Hearing those three words connected right with preaching makes that charge pretty serious. You can't get much more serious than that. James makes it clear, and Hebrews does as well. James said this, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that he who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Wow, James. There it is, the charge. To be faithful before God. God will hold, which is what James is saying, which is what Paul is saying, God will hold teachers and preachers accountable for how they handle his word james says even a greater strictness there there's a holy accountability i saw it in one commentary this week called it a holy accountability to be faithful to an audience of one really when we open god's word hebrews as well takes it a bit further obey your leaders and submit to them for they're keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. We're in kind of, in some ways, a symbiotic relationship here. Preacher and congregation, teacher and the people. It's mutually beneficial, the relationship between us and the Word and speaking it and hearing it. But look at the motive, though for the speaker, for, for, for the, the preacher. It's a heart-filled, Christ-driven, word-centered concern for watching over our souls. That's pretty serious. 
It's pretty serious. That's why I preach. That's why I open the Word of God. That's why preachers and teachers sometimes say hard things to each other or us even amongst ourselves as we share the truth. Not to lord it over you. Not because we're like, oh great, obedience. No. Even though we're all called to obey and submit to the Word and leaders in our life. Not to lord it over. Not to manipulate, although leaders have done that. But concern for our souls. That's what the passage says. Not to gain power, not to manipulate, not to abuse, but concern for the soul of the hearer. That's pretty big. Not because the pastor's a great guy or somehow better that he speaks or he's been given charge over our souls. And when I approach this stage every week, I better see it that way. I better. And if you do too, Here's what that means. You'll come expectantly. You'll come expectantly knowing that I view it that way. You'll come expectantly to have soul care, to have soul challenge, to have soul refreshment if what we're doing here is care and concern over our souls. You'll come expectantly. You'll come to meet the living God when we open this book in the text. Every Sunday or every time you read it, here's the question, do you come that way on a Sunday morning? Now I know we come to church out of all kinds of situations, don't we? All kinds of chaotic, chaos mornings. And the enemy loves, I think, on the way to church. So aren't those some of the times most when you kind of you start bickering as a couple? Or the kids, whatever reason, on a Sunday morning, they don't want to wear their coat, they don't want to put their shoes on, they don't want to get in the car, Right? Or you're brought to mind something that's really stressing you out or you look at your email before you came to church and you shouldn't have because you saw, oh, I got to get to that. That's right. There's so many things that get in our way of thinking, I'm coming to church to hear the Word and to come expectantly on those mornings. Do you listen that way on a Sunday morning? Not to hear Jeff speak, but to hear God speak through His Word. That's what we're doing. As I preach, If the charge is that serious, it also means you don't get off the hook either. The task of listening is that serious too. If that's really what's happening. So we're both on the hook, okay? You're right with me. We've got to be clear on this. The clear charge is to be faithful here in this text and preach the Word. The second clear point is this. When we speak it, when we teach it, when we share it, The clear message is to be, and we're going to have a few things listed here. The first one's this, an urgent one. We need a clear message. And a clear message is an urgent message. We're talking about preaching this morning. So I want to make sure, as you hear that, you might be thinking, yeah, well, we're talking about the preacher this morning, the task of preaching, and maybe you feel like you can kind of even check out a little bit right now. But I would say we're all called to actually speak the truth. We're all called to share the gospel. We're all called to speak this message. And so these four things we're going to look at apply to me as I speak the word or you as you ever share it with somebody or even as you read it to be looking for those things in the gospel or in God's word. First one's urgent. The message is to be urgent. Look at verse 2 with me. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete 
patience, and teaching. It's an urgent one because of what's at stake. What is at stake? Now, it's not just will, um, will Gotham City survive, right? <laughs> the, most, the recent onslaught of whatever enemy is coming. Or uh, Iron Man, Stark's Industries, that they'll make it through another attack. It's not just that what's at stake, but the kingdom of God. That's what we're talking about here. The kingdom of God and your place in it. Your place in it. Eternity is at stake. Not just Gotham City. Eternity is at stake. That's why it's such an urgent message. There's a 17th century uh, Puritan pastor named Richard Baxter, and he got it so right when he expressed the urgency of this message. I preached, he said, as never sure to preach again, and as a dying man to dying men. He understood the urgency of what he was doing every week. This may be the last sermon I preach, is what he's saying. It may be the last sermon you ever hear. That's what he's saying. So listen that way. And I hope I preach that way. To hear what God is saying to you, to us today. It's urgent. Because if you listen and you don't hear and you die without trusting Christ, there is no more time to listen. There's no more time to listen after that. That's what he's really getting at there. And while Paul says, why, why Paul says to Timothy, be ready, be ready. So he starts that verse too. Be ready. Preach the word. Be ready. It's urgent. Be ready, he says to Timothy, in season and out of season, even when it's an inconvenience to you, Timothy, in season and out of season, even when it's an inconvenience to us to make sure we sit down with our kids and open a Bible with them. Or somebody asks a question, you're like, oh, I could answer it, but I'm late. What do I do? Or somebody asks you your opinion on something, you say, you know what? It'd be much easier to stay quiet. Paul says, be ready, Timothy. Be ready. Be ready to speak in and out of season when it's convenient, when people are loving it, when people want it, or when it's inconvenient too. Out of season. So, be ready to speak God's truth even when it's an inconvenience to you. Because a lot of times it is, isn't it? I want to say something, or but how will he respond? Oh, there's others listening right now. Or, you know, he shot me down last time. It's just not worth it. Aren't those the phrases you hear? That dialogue in your head, I hear those running through my head. She's not going to hear She didn't hear it last time. He didn't hear it. That, you know, he shot me down. Be ready, he says, because we're slipping away all the time. Clear message is to be urgent. It's also to be a real life one. It's got to be real life. It's got to be relevant to our lives. It has to impact us in the here and now, where we live. It's got to make sense to you to me. It's got to address real life issues and situations and dilemmas and temptations you are facing. It's got to be a real life one. We could sit here and hear something to be true, but if, if it has no impact on us where we live right now in 2017 in Canby, Oregon, then it really is just an exercise in knowledge, more like a class rather than a sermon. It has to address us. What do I do with the truth? What do you do with the truth? 
Where do I challenge my belief with the truth? Uh, Where do I need to change because of that truth? Where do I need to take a risk because of that truth? Where do I need to love and forgive because of that truth? All of those things. It has to be real life. How do we know that? Paul says these three words. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort. They're really practical words. He says, as you preach, Timothy, these are three things that should happen. Here's what they mean. Reproved. It means sometimes I need to be reproved. We need to be reproved for wrong beliefs, sinful patterns, ungodliness. I need that, and you do too. We need it. We're we're a work in progress, aren't we? We're constantly needing growth. We're taking two steps forward and, I don't know, 15 back sometimes, I feel like. Do you? It's lifelong. We've got to continue to reprove. I mean, sometimes we challenge each other. I mean, sometimes I will challenge you through God's Word on a Sunday morning. And if I don't, we're maybe not preaching the God of the Bible. Because if He's truly God and He's truly made us, isn't He going to con- uh, contradict you at some time somewhere? Or some opinion you have, or some belief you have, or, or some pattern in your life? He's going to. Rebuked, it says. Reproved so we can be rebuked so as to be corrected, really. It means to be redirected back. So if we're reproved for something, we need to be redirected back to what's correct, to what's right, to what's beautiful, to what's true, to what's real, what's reality. Back to paths of righteousness for his namesake. So Paul says, reprove, rebuke. So what happens when you hear that verse pop into your head? Or on a Sunday morning you go, Man, he was speaking right to me that morning. You've had those mornings. Man, that was right for me. That's not me. That's God moving you back, reproving and rebuking, taking you back by the power of his word and his spirit. And to be exhorted. Sometimes, don't you just need to be encouraged? Don't you need to come on a Sunday morning and just hear that you're saved by grace alone through faith alone don't you just need to hear that oh thank you i needed that today i've been trying so hard this week on my own and you know it. you feel tired sometimes we just need to be exhorted on a sunday morning too the challenge is the times you need to be exhorted most are sometimes the sundays where you're wrestling i don't feel like going today i don't feel like being there i don't want to go to church I don't feel like I could even sing. I don't want to hear Pastor Jeff say another word. <laughs> you might. That's when we need the encouragement. Or I'm feeling down. I'm feeling anxious. I'm feeling sad. The irony is, that is when you need to be encouraged. That is when you need to hear the Word of God, to be exhorted. That is, this is where that happens. You come in and we're filled, we're transformed, we're changed, and we're sent back out to life to battle against the, spirit, uh, the principalities, a spiritual war, a spiritual battle. We're armed here, we're fueled here, we're restored here, we're exhorted here to live life. To live life. It's got to be real life. So if I'm, never, if I'm ever just hanging up 10,000 feet, too heady, nosebleed section, come to me and say, make it real. Make it real. Because if I'm not, I'm not doing my job and we're not being challenged by the Word of God. 
reprove, rebuke, and exhort. All right, so it was an urgent one, a real-life one, a patient one. The clear message is to be a patient one. Did you see what he said there? He says, Timothy, uh, complete patience as you preach. Complete patience as you teach. Complete patience as you let the Word of God do the work of God. Do it with patience, Timothy. Must mean the temptation is there for us to get impatient. If Paul says be patient, there's usually the opposite temptation there. Be patient. He says, why? Because it's God who does the work. It's God who does the work in His timing. We're called to speak the truth. We're called to speak the truth. He does the work in His timing. Doesn't give us a pass. Doesn't mean that we're off the hook. No, we're called to speak the truth. Doesn't diminish the urgency or the call to do the hard work of making a sermon real life. That is. Doesn't mean we get to just check out. But be patient with the results. Because it's God's work. As we said already this morning, the Word of God does the work of God. In our Echoes of the Reformation class we've been going through, we're in week four this week. You could jump in. Uh, not, we're not doing it next Sunday, but in two weeks for the final two even if you missed the first one. They're kind of standalone in some ways. But in that class, we've been uh, hearing um, from others of the Reformation time and, and Martin Luther in particular, and he, he got this, that God's work and God does this work. He said this, I simply taught, preached, wrote God's word. Otherwise, I did nothing. I left it to the word. But it brings him, that's Satan, distress. When we only spread the word and let it alone do the work. It's freeing in many ways. The word of God, he's saying, it's capable. It can do the work. The word of God does the work of God. My job, your job is to get it to their ears. God's job is to get it to their heart. Our job is to get it to people's ears. And yes, we want to do it with compassion and persuasion and winsomeness but only god can get it to their heart to get it to their heart it takes patience because how do you and i live we want it now right i want it yesterday give it to me yesterday hit the microwave and it's like ready to go right i want my spirituality to be like that microwavable hit the button and it's ready and hot and good to eat that's how we that's how we live that's how we're used to living you know, if a page takes more than five seconds to load on the internet, I'm like calling up. Like, what's going on with your service? That's how we live life, isn't it? Everything's so instantaneous. But spiritual growth is slow, isn't it? That's why the Bible uses our spiritual growth in agricultural metaphors. Have you ever tried to watch a plant grow? <laughs> it doesn't happen in front of your eyes in that time-captured thing. You can watch it, but not if you're sitting down. Good luck with that, right? It takes patience. We want that connection to be instantaneous. Now, God, now. But he says to Timothy, be patient. Be patient. Which doesn't mean don't speak. Doesn't mean don't approach. Doesn't mean don't confront. But as we do, have an attitude of patience. So here's our question. Who in your life right now are you waiting for? For the Holy Spirit to work in that heart. Who are you waiting for? The child, a family member, a spouse, an acquaintance. Who are you waiting for? You should wait. 
and be expectant and be hopeful. But be encouraged as you wait because the Word of God will do the work of God. God will take it to somebody's heart and only He can change their heart. So do what? Invite them to church. Share the truth with them. Pray for them. Pray for them. Pray for them. Pray for them. Because God can take it from their ears to their heart. We've got to be patient. It's an urgent one. It's a real life one. It's a, it's a patient one. Here's the final one. It's a doctrinal one. That's kind of what? A doctrinal one. He says, preach the word with all patience and teaching, Timothy. You've got to teach. So all preachers must be teachers. It means they have to be explainers. And so do all of us when we share the word of God. We've got to be explainers. What does it mean, actually? You might say, doctrinal. Making truth in ways we can understand it and apply it. That's what doctrine is. It's taking the truths that we find in Scripture and putting in language we can understand. It's part of that teaching process. It's the reason you hear me uh, talk about the why a lot. The why behind something. Why did We can't just say Christ came to die, but why? Uh, we can't just say, I can't just say you need Jesus, but why? I can't just say, you know, you need to get baptized if you follow Christ, but why? The why behind something, explaining it. So on a Sunday morning, I hope what I'm doing is I'm going back and forth between what the verses say and explaining it and making it real to our life. Going back to the text, what's it say, and then transfer, going into, now let's explain it. Let's understand it. Teaching, he tells Timothy. Teaching truth. Teaching doctrine. Helping us understand truth. That's really the goal on a Sunday morning when you read your Bible, when you share the message of Christ. Do you want to be changed? Do you want to have a deeper faith? You have to know, then, the object of your faith. Do you want to see real transformation happen in your life? You have to know the one who's changing you, the one who you're trusting. Who is that? God. Where do you find him? His word where we see him do you want to grow do you want to have faith do you want to be transformed then steep yourself in the truth that's what it does that's what paul says when he says teach it don't just preach it to me but teach it explain it know what it means which brings us to our final point of clarity which we really began with it's absolutely needed in our age it's desperately needed in our age the clear need is the need for truth the need for truth. Timothy's day is really, is really much like our own day. Much like our own. Here are those verses again, verses 3 and 4, they're popping up for us. The time is coming. We could say the time is here. When people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears. They will accumulate, gather for themselves, teachers, to suit their own passions will turn away from listening to what? The truth. And wander off in, into myths. Here's the reason for the charge to Timothy. Here's the reason this whole little section was here. A time is coming, he said, Timothy. A time is coming. And I would say, the time is, is here. Would you agree with me? The time is here. The time is now. And it was in Timothy's age too. There's many that didn't want to hear the truth. And cultures wax and wane. Cultures 
veer towards the truth a bit more at times, and they veer away. We're not the worst of the worst. But it's here now, a time when people don't want the truth. I don't want the truth sometimes. A time when we won't endure it, won't sit under it, won't, definitely won't seek it out, and we'll find someone else to scratch their itch. You ever had an itch right in the middle of your back where you try to reach it and you can't get there and you're doing everything you can and stretches in ways you never thought your body could contort because it's right in that one little spot that you can't get. What do you do? You run over to somebody, scratch that itch for me, right? Find it or you grab a ruler. (laughs) You find somebody to scratch that itch that's right there where you just can't get it. You're like, no, no, right there. No, no, yeah, that's it. That's what the itching ears are. People find someone new, something new. Something that might sound like the truth. Something that almost gets there. Something new, something spicy, something a little titillating. That's kind of what Paul's getting at. Okay, I've heard that before. Okay, no, I need something else. I need something more. You've got to give me something more. That's what the itching ears are. Finding somebody to scratch that itch that's right in that spot. What does that look like? Well, Jesus was maybe a good teacher, but Messiah... Jesus really lived, but miracles? I get that marriage is good, but I just can't believe God expects me to wait until marriage for sex. I mean, I just can't. Give to God and you'll be financially wealthy? Sounds like that. It sounds like, forgive her? Yeah, she's crossed the line a couple too many times. One Savior, one way? I don't know about that. Movie tagline this weekend is you can't save the world alone. Think about that. You can't save the world alone. The message we need to scratch the itch is yes, you can. Yes, you can. Not with a superhuman, though. With a super God man. That's who. We need this truth. The truth. This is the truth you need. It's actually the only thing that can scratch that itch. That's it. Do you see the hunger that's there in that tagline? In the heart of that poster? The wishful thinking when Ben Affleck said, wouldn't it be nice? Wouldn't it be nice if someone somebody could save us from the consequences of our actions. And we say there is, don't we? We say there is. His name is Jesus Christ. He didn't wear a cape. He didn't wear a mask. Didn't flex big muscles. Didn't shoot webs out of his arms. Didn't shoot laser beams or block bullets with a, a wrist cuff. He went naked to a cross. That's the kind of hero. We're coming to Christmas. We're coming to this message. She will bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save, there he is, he will save his people from their sins, from the consequences of their actions. There it is, Ben Affleck. 
There it is, Bethany Church. That's the truth that the human heart wants. There's another verse to back it up. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. You don't have to wish for it. I pray to God Ben Affleck sees that. You don't have to wish for it. Superhero movies are only a shadow of reality. They're only a shadow of the story we have here. They're just a little hint. They point us there, don't they? There is a hunger in the human heart for a hero. Billions of dollars will tell you there is. But they only get us there. That's why I preach. That's why we share. That's why we open up the Word. That's why we love the Bible. That's why we will change. That's why we will grow because the message it contains. And to the degree you know this hero, you trust this super God man, your life will be redeemed, saved, and transformed. So we got to be clear, don't we? Because the world needs it. we got to be clear, Bethany Church. The clear commitment to God's Word, to preaching, sharing, discipling, teaching. Because if you know this book, you know God. You know God. And you know the ultimate hero, Christ Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you today as a good God who's revealed to us the ultimate plot line, the ultimate story, a story that, the, that superhero movies just point to, are just echoes of, are just shadows of, Lord. Thank you for that. Thank you, God, that we have the ultimate message and the ultimate hero of that message Jesus Christ, who does save us from the consequences of our actions, who does save us from sin. And Lord, for whatever reason, you've chosen to use the humble means of letting our mouths speak it. I don't quite get that. I've got to be honest. You're entrusting it to sinful men and women. But I guess that really just points to your greater power because you're going to accomplish your will. Your word's going to do the work. You're going to put it into the hearts where we get to the ears. But let us not miss our part. Keep us faithful to it, God. Me as a preacher, us all as sharers and teachers of the word, let us do our part because we get to. What a privilege that you would entrust us with the ultimate story, which is the reality of this world and what each of us needs. So encourage us today. Uh, Rebuke us, reprove us, exhort us today in the gospel we pray. In Christ's name, amen.